Man, I'm so excited about this brand new series that we're starting this morning called Greater. Man, I believe that God has some greater things in store for us in 2014. If you believe that, raise your hand this morning. Man, I'm so excited here this morning. In fact, from the very beginning of this series and of this message today, I just want to be right up front with you about what this whole message and what this whole series is all about. My intention in this series over this next four weeks is to pump you up, all right? So everybody look at your neighbor, show them your muscle like this and say, pump you up. Man, that's, that's my intention. You see, I believe that God has some greater things in store for every single one of us over this next coming year. And I just want to, man, I want to build your faith. You know, a lot of people in life, they kind of have this attitude that, well, I don't want to get my hopes up because if I get my hopes up too much, then I might be disappointed. And, you know, somebody might disappoint me or life might disappoint me or, you know, God might disappoint me. So I don't want to have my hopes too high and I don't want to have too much faith because I don't really want to be let down. I won't, don't really want to be disappointed. Well, I got news for you today. In this series and over this next few weeks, this is what I intend to do. I intend to get your hopes up. So everybody say, get your hopes up. Man, I want to build you up for something greater. In fact, that leads me to kind of the bottom line statement that's going to drive us through this series over this next several weeks. And it's on the screen in your notes. I want you to say it out loud with me today with some enthusiasm. Are you ready? One, two, three. Good enough is not good enough because God is greater. Come on, everybody say it again. Good enough is not good enough because God is greater. I saw some of you, your mouths moving, but nothing coming out. Let's try this again. Good enough is not good enough because God is greater. Man, that's what I believe for this coming year, that God is going to take us to a greater level in the things of him. And good enough is not good enough because our God is so great. Now, here's the tendency sometimes is to kind of start to settle for good enough. In fact, we do it all in our lives, all of us do. I do it even sometimes. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, doing a little honeydew. My wife was having me hang some shelves up on the wall. And I just got to be honest here today, man. When it comes to doing something with my hands, it's like, y'all just be glad that I'm a preacher. You know what I'm saying? Because, man, I just, I'm not good at that kind of stuff. I know Jesus was a carpenter, and I'm supposed to be like him. But when it comes to this stuff, man, I just kind of fall short on that thing. So I'm trying to help my wife hang up these little shelves on the wall and after about 45 minutes which it should have taken like 10 minutes to do but 45 minutes man I got holes all in the wall because you put it up there and then it's crooked and then you're like oh we got to straighten it out right and for like 45 minutes of putting it up there I even use my little level thing on my iPhone you know the little app or whatever and finally like I'm so frustrated and finally I just put you know my hammer and I put the you know the screwdriver and the drill and stuff down and I just stepped back and I just said that's good enough Anybody ever been there before? And here's the deal. Good enough is good enough when it comes to putting stuff up on the wall, right? I mean, close enough might be okay when it comes to horseshoes and hand grenades. But when it comes to God and what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in this church, I got to tell you today, good enough is not good enough because we have a God who is greater. 
some of y'all said, like three of you said, amen. Good enough, not good enough, because we have a God who's so much greater. And that leads me to this guy that we're going to talk about over this next few weeks in this series, a guy by the name of Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha. Now, Elisha was a great man of God, and many of you may have not heard of Elisha, but you probably heard of a guy named Elijah. Anybody ever heard of Elijah before? Man, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. In fact, man, just a powerful man of God. You may remember some of the stories of how he called fire down from heaven to burn up the altar. He, man, he was the guy who prayed, and he prayed, and because he prayed, it didn't rain for three years, and then after not raining for three years, he prayed again seven times and God sent a mighty rain upon the land. I'm telling you, Elijah was a great man of God. So if you know Elijah, let me just tell you this about Elisha. Elisha is kind of like Elijah the sequel. Now most of us, we know that sequels usually don't measure up to the original. Like if you've ever seen Rocky II or maybe like Dumb and Dumber, -er, you know what I'm saying? I mean, most of the time, sequels don't measure up to the original. But in Elisha's case, man, he far exceeds. His life turns out to be so much greater. I mean, Elijah was great, but Elisha became someone who was even greater. We see his story right here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. And let me just set it up for you for a second. Here's Elijah. He's the prophet. And Elisha is his protege. So he's kind of following Elijah around and he's learning how to do prophet stuff and he's kind of, you know, learning how to do the whole ministry thing. And now we come to the point where Elijah's ministry is about to come to an end and it's time for his ministry here on this earth to finish up. And so he's about to go be taken into heaven. Pretty cool story. And, and then he says to Elisha in 2 Kings 2 and verse 9, he says, to Elisha, tell me what you want me to do for you before I am taken from you. Check this out, what Elisha says. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your anointing. Man, you talk about a bold request. I mean, he's talking to Elijah. He's talking to the guy who called down fire from heaven. He's talking to one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. And he has the gall to say, I don't just want to be as good as you. I want to do even greater things than you. And not just a little bit better. I want to have twice as much of the things of God in my life. I mean, that's a pretty bold request, wouldn't you say so? And what's so incredible is the way that Elijah responds to it. In verse number 10, he says, you have asked a difficult thing. That's a pretty difficult thing, right? But he says, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. It's almost as if Elijah was saying to Elisha, I'm going to honor your request just because you had enough faith to ask for it. And I wonder sometimes if that's the way it is 
with God. I wonder sometimes if God is looking for some Elishas, some people who will just have the boldness and the faith to actually believe God for some greater things in their life. I wonder sometimes if God would not honor some of our bold requests just for the simple fact that we were bold enough and had enough faith to ask it. I wonder sometimes if there might be some people in this room today who would just come to that point, who would say, you know what? Good enough is not good enough because I have a God who is greater and I'm going to believe God for some greater things in my life. And that's what I want us to talk about over this next few weeks. And I want to just kind of dig into this a little bit today. And I want to talk about what does it take to have a life that is greater? What does it take to leave behind the lesser life and to start living out the greater life that God has in store for us to live? And I just want you to see three things. If you have your notes, you can write these things down or follow along in your U version this morning. The first one is this. If I want God to do greater things in my life, here's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to think bigger. So everybody say, think bigger. I'm going to have to think bigger. You know, I think it's sad that many times as followers of Christ, I think it's sad that we think so small sometimes. No, we serve the God of the universe. We serve a God who flung the stars into the sky. I mean, he was the creator of this, of this earth. He spoke a word and the earth was created. The sun and the moon and the stars and all of these things that we see, nothing is impossible for him. And yet so many times we settle just a good enough life. If I could just kind of, you know, I could just get to heaven, that would be good enough. Maybe I just, you know, come to church every once in a while, you know, at least twice a month. That's, that's good enough for me. Maybe I'll just, you know, sing a few songs and listen, you know, to a couple of sermons. Maybe, maybe throw a couple bucks in there into the, into the offering every once in a while, and that'll be good enough for me. But let me tell you something. Good enough is not good enough when you have a God who is so great. I think it's time that we start thinking bigger and start believing God for some greater things in our lives. In fact, man, as, as I study through the scripture and I look at these men and women that, that are, are on the pages and in the pages of scripture, you know what, I don't see a whole lot of good enough going on. In fact, I see people who are risking everything to believe God for greater things in their lives. Man, I see guys like David who pick up a slingshot and a couple of stones and charge after a giant. Man, I see, I see people who, who say, you know what, I don't care if you throw me into a fiery furnace. I will not bow down to that God. And if God is with me, then so be it. And if he's not, we will still not bow down. I see, I see people who risk their lives for the greater things that God has in store for them. Do you know what the sad thing is? Is that when I look at most modern day Christians, I see people who are not in danger of losing their lives, but instead are in danger of something far worse, wasting them. And Elisha says, good enough is not good enough for me. Because I have a God who is greater I want something greater. I'm willing to think bigger, and I'm willing to believe for something greater 
in my life. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When I'm talking about greater, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, hyper faith and, you know, if you just believe in God, he's going to give you a bigger house or you're going to have a newer car. I'm not, I'm not talking about making more money. When I'm talking about greater for the church, I'm not necessarily talking about a new building. I'm not necessarily talking even about more people coming to the church, although I believe that when we start living this greater life that I'm talking about, church growth will just be a natural body product of that when I'm talking about greater here's what I'm talking about I'm talking about more of the things that really matter maybe for some of you today God wants to do some greater things in your life and it might just be that he wants to bring a greater peace in your marriage Maybe for some of you, greater means a greater purpose in your work life. Maybe for some of you, it means a greater love in your relationships or a greater presence of God in your life or a greater revelation of the Word of God or maybe a greater joy in your heart or a greater compassion for people or a greater heart for the things of God. In fact, let's do a little exercise. I thought we'd have fun this morning and do this. How many remember back when you were in elementary school? Some of you, that was a long time ago. But remember, maybe it was about fourth or fifth grade, uh, in math class, you had this little thing called greater than or less than. You remember that? Greater than or less than? And uh, in fact, put that little symbol. We got a little greater than or less than symbol up there. You remember that, right? And how do you know which way that it goes, right? Well, when I was in school, I'm going to date myself here, but when I was in school, Pac-Man was big, right? And so I remember my math teacher, some of y'all nodding your heads because you remember exactly. My math teacher said that on the greater than or the less than sign, the Pac-Man always wanted to chomp up the one that was bigger, right? Do you remember that? So I just thought we'll just, we'll just do a little greater than or less than math exercise here this morning. So everybody get your greater than, less than sign. In the first service, I saw some people that were doing it like this, all right? But this is what we're going to do. You're just going to help me out. I'm going to call some things out. You're going to tell me which one is greater, which, which one is greater than, which one is less than. All right, the first one goes like this. A comfortable life or a life that's making a difference for Christ? Which one's greater or less? The second one, right? The first service did so much better on this. Here we go. Here's, here's which one's greater. Struggling to get out of the bed in the morning or a life filled with purpose and direction? Y'all are, y'all are getting the hang of this. Great, all right, here we go. Which one's greater? Fear and anxiety and worry in your heart or Peace that passes all understanding. See, you're figuring it out. It's always the second one that's greater. All right. (laughs) Which one's greater? A marriage that is just barely struggling to just, oh, we're just making it by, whatever. Or a marriage that's filled with love and passion and purpose. How about this? Which one's greater? A nice little church or a group of people who are passionate about coming together to make a difference in their community? That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of greater that I'm talking about. And here's the deal. It's not because I'm greater. It's not because you're greater. Because we're a whole bunch of lesser. How many know what I'm saying? But it's because he is great. And if he is great, and if he is in me, and the Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, then I can start believing for some big stuff in my life, not because I'm great, but because he's great, and he's inside me, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and good enough is just not good enough because he's so much greater. 
Some of y'all are with me, some of y'all. You'll join me on the second point. Number two, not only am I gonna have to think bigger, number two, check this out. I'm gonna have to stay longer. Everybody say stay longer. See, if you're gonna have a greater life, you're gonna have to be willing to stay even when it would be easier and would be better or it would be easier for you to give up and quit. That's what we see with Elisha and Elijah. Elisha comes to Elijah and says, I want something greater. I want a double portion of the anointing. And Elijah said, hey, you have asked for something difficult, but look what he said. He says, if you stay with me, if you see me when I am taken up to heaven, then it will be yours. So in other words, he's saying, hey, you're going to have to stick with me even when it would be easier to go away. And we see this over and over as you study and you look at the life of Elisha as he was being led by Elijah, we see it over and over and over that it was so much easier sometimes for him to leave, but every time he decided, I'm not leaving, I'm staying. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 2 or 2 Kings 2 and verse 1, it says, When the Lord was taken about, or when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And look at this Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elijah replied, so be quiet. I love that part. Just shut up. You leave me alone. Then Elisha said to him, stay here, Elisha, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went on to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know. They already told me that. Just be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here for the Lord is sending me to the Jordan. But he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Three different times he had the opportunity to leave. But he knew that if I leave and I don't see Elijah when he's taken up into heaven, then I'm going to miss out on the promise that God has for me of something greater in my life. And here's what I want you to get this morning is that greater is not necessarily easier. That sometimes greater takes longer. But the problem is, and the reason that so many people don't experience the greater things that God has for their lives is because they give up way too soon. Sometimes it's not about doing something great. It's just about being faithful with what God has called you to do. In fact, I came across this some research that was done a while back, and it was a study that was taken that compared the scores of Japanese children to the scores of American children in standardized math tests. Now check this out. The Japanese children scored higher than the American children, and most people would assume, well, that means that you know, the Japanese are just smarter in math and things like that. But actually, when they, started looking at, when they started looking at the results of the test, the researchers discovered that it had more to do with effort than it actually had to do with ability. In fact, check this out. One study involving first grade students... They were given a difficult puzzle to solve, and the researchers, they weren't interested in whether or not the children solved the puzzle. They simply wanted to see how long would they try on the puzzle. 
puzzle before giving up. And here's what's so interesting. American children lasted on average 9.47 minutes, but the Japanese children actually lasted 13.93 minutes. The Japanese children tried 47% longer than the American children. The scientists discovered that really it had less to do with an intelligence quotient and more to do with a persistence quotient. I wonder sometimes if that's how it is with our faith. I wonder sometimes if some of us start out and we have big faith and we dream for big things in our lives, but then when things get hard and they get difficult and they don't come just as soon as we wanted them to come, then we give up and quit and we miss out on the greater things that God really has for our lives because we're not willing to stay when it would be easier to go. Write this down. We overestimate what we can do in a month and underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. Isn't that true, man? Sometimes we got these big, you know, these big dreams of what we're going to do. And we think, man, we'll just knock that out. And that'll be a big, you know, that'll be real easy. And we'll just do that in a month. But here's the deal is that sometimes, man, things take longer. In fact, things that are of the greatest value many times take the longest. Check this out. How many know what a Rolls Royce is? Rolls Royce is the highest standard of excellence in automotives. I was reading about this. It's been been a long time ago, but I thought it was so interesting. A Rolls Royce, one Rolls Royce, check this out. One Rolls Royce is handmade, and it takes 4,500 different people to make one Rolls Royce. Pretty incredible, right? There are only 63,000 people in America that can even afford to have one. It receives... 10 coats of hand-sprayed paint, and it has a 1 million-mile odometer. Pretty incredible. It takes, this is what I want you to see, it takes six months to build one Rolls-Royce. Contrast that with this. It takes 13 hours to build a Toyota. (laughs) Now, hey, Nothing wrong with Toyota, right? I mean, I wouldn't mind having a Toyota myself. Those are good vehicles. They'll last a long time. But contrast 13 hours with six months. How many would say that a Rolls Royce is greater than a Toyota? And here's the thing is that some of us are settling for a Toyota life when God wants to give us a Rolls Royce. He wants to do some great things in our lives, but we miss out on the promise because we give up too soon. We give up way before it's time. Because we thought it was just going to take a little while. We overestimate what we can do in a month and underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. Check this out. We overvalue 15 minutes of fame and undervalue lifelong faithfulness. And that's huge in our society. And someone comes along, their latest one-hit wonder, latest flash in the pan. We're like, oh, aren't they so great? Look at the talent they have. And they're so awesome. They hadn't done anything. But we don't place much value at all on someone who's just consistent and steady and faithful. But can I tell you, that's where God places the value. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for great talent. Guess what he's looking for? I think he's just looking for people who will have, have great faithfulness. Elijah, or Elisha, 
God didn't do greater things than Elisha because he had so much greater talent than Elijah. It wasn't because he had such great prophet skills, whatever that is, right? It was, I mean, he was just, he was just a farm boy who was plowing the ground when Elijah came along and said, hey, come follow me. It wasn't because he was so great or had such great talent. It's because he was willing to go through what you got to go through and not give up and not quit for as long as it takes in order to receive the promise that God had given him. You're going to have to think bigger. You're going to have to stay longer. Number three, check this out. You're going to have to start smaller. Everybody say start smaller. I love this. Elisha, man, he comes to Elijah in faith. Man, I, God's going to do something good in me. Good enough is not good enough because God, God is greater. I want a double portion of your anointing. Elijah says, if you stay with me until you see me taken into heaven, then you will receive it. And so Elisha, he doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He stays with Eli- Elijah all the way until that time. And then it's so awesome. If you don't read your Bible, you should because there's really good stuff in there. Like this, man... <laughs> This chariot of fire comes down, and Elijah doesn't die. Like the chariot of fire comes down and swooshes him up, up into heaven. And Elisha is there, and he sees all of that. And then he begins his ministry. You would think, man, he begins with the big old stuff. But you know what? As you watch, you see just the first couple of miracles and the first couple of things that he does. Man, it's not big stuff. It's just, it's just small stuff. And we see in one of Elisha's earliest miracles, right here in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 3, these three kings come up to Elisha, and man, they've got, they've got a problem because they're about to go to war, and they thought that this, that this battle that they're about to fight, they thought it was going to be an easy battle. They thought, we're going to win, no problem, because there's three of us, and there's one of them. It's no big deal. But they came to a problem because they ran out of water. And they had marched their troops around for seven days, and now all their water supply is gone, and it hasn't rained. And, man, their soldiers are, you know, they're dry and they're parched, and, man, they're not ready to go into battle. And so they're like, what do we do? We need somebody to bring us some rain. We need to bring some water. And so one of the kings says, well, don't you remember that guy, Elijah? Remember that one time he prayed, and it hadn't rained in three years, and, and God brought the rain. And Elijah's gone, but there's this other guy, Elisha, and if Elijah's good, then Elisha must be must be better, and maybe if Elijah, if Elijah brought some rain, then maybe we can go to Elisha, and he'll bring the rain. And so they go to Elisha, and they're like, hey, bring us some rain. Like, do one of those little, like, like rain dance and make it rain up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, do like Elijah did, and pray, and then, woo, then all of a sudden, then the rain just going to come down, right? I love what, I love what Elisha says. 2 Kings 3 and verse 16. Look at this. Hey, make it rain. And look what he says. Somebody get me some music. Like, what? <laughs> like, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. And he says, bring me somebody to play the harp. And they're like, that's not really what I was expecting you to say. And he says, hey, I need somebody to come over in here. And I need somebody to set the tone. I need somebody to set the mood. How many know that music just kind of sets the mood, right? Some of you, that's the way you are with your spouse. We just got to set the mood up in here, you know. And then, and then, you know, we come to church. And why do you think we have music at church? Because it inspires us. 
It sets the mood. It, it, gets things, it gets things ready to inspire us and set the tone so that we can hear from God. You see, music doesn't bring the presence of God, but you know what it does? It makes us more sensitive to the presence of God. So every, every week, you know, you know how it is, at the end of the service, I'm, you know, I've been preaching like this, and then we come up to the end of the service, and then we just kind of get that little just like I, you know, kind of get down, and it's like nice and tender and... Music starts playing. In fact, I need some of that right now. Just bring me some music. Come on, Drew. Everybody give Drew a big hand as he comes up here. And then we're, we're fired up and we're preaching. And then all of a sudden, like, like the music starts, like halfway through the last point. You know how it works around here, right? Most of the time, that's the signal for you all to start putting your Bibles away and start getting ready. But no, why do we do that? Just, just play a little something there for me, Mr. Drew. You hear how that's like, right? It's like, we've been all up here, and then it's like, and God loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's got greater things in store for you, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, right? Stop, 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 stop for a second, all right? Notice how, notice how it's not the same. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And he has greater things for you. It's not the same, is it, right? So play a, little, play a little bit more there for me. And what is that? It's like, man, it gets us in the mood. It gets our hearts prepared. It gets us, it gets us in tune with what, what God wants to say. And you know what this is saying to me about, about Elisha? Is that maybe Elisha didn't feel like prophesying that day. And so he's like, man, I'm not ready for this. I don't feel like it. i got to have something come over here and get me in the mood. So somebody play a harp or somebody play something here so I can be in the mood. And you know what that tells me? Sometimes doing what God wants you to do, sometimes you're not ready to do it and you don't feel like doing it, but you just got to stir yourself up and do it anyway. I could preach a whole sermon right there. Elijah says, hey, bring me some music. Let's get inspired. Now, stop, 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 stop. Now, here's the problem, okay? That y'all come in here on Sunday, and I get y'all all pumped up, and you're inspired. In fact, that's one of the core values of our church is that we want it to be an inspiring place, right? So you can come in and be inspired. But guess what? For many of you, the reason you never experience greater in your life is because you never go past inspiration. You come in on Sunday, and you get inspired. But there's another step past inspiration, and that's called participation, and so you come on Sundays and all oh, the music's just right and God loves you. He has a plan for you. And you're right on cue. That's good. <laughs> all right. And then the music stops. Stop. 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 <laughs> and you're out there by yourself. And the inspiration's gone. God says, hey, I want to do a miracle in your life, but you're going to have to participate in the miracle. And look what, Elijah, look what Elisha says. That's so confusing. Elisha, Elijah, I'm messing it up, I know. Look what he says in verse 16. While the music was playing, the Lord's power came over Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. What? And I don't think that's probably what they were expecting to hear, like, we're expecting God, you know, Elisha, do the rain dance, make it rain, you know. Uh, he says, no, pick up a shovel and go to work. Here's what I want you to get. Faith that works is faith that works. 
Some of y'all aren't getting that, so I'll, I'll wait on you for a second. Faith that works is faith that is willing to pick up a shovel and dig some ditches. Faith that works is a faith that's not just like God reign and God, you know, reign on my life and do. No, it's it's a faith that says. I'm willing to do what I can do. You see, here's the thing is that only God can bring the rain, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. That's what James was talking about in James chapter 2, verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds, so show me your faith without your deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. See, I think most believers are too busy saying, God, show me your faithfulness, but we're not willing to show God our faith. The proof of faith is in action. The proof of faith is in, I'm not just going to let God do all the work. I'm going to be willing to pick up a shovel and go to work. You see, I told you earlier, greater doesn't necessarily mean easier. It's a lot easier to say, God, fix my marriage. Give me a great marriage. It's a little harder to be a greater husband or a greater wife. It's easy to say, God, heal my finances or, you know, bless my finances. It's, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit harder to say, you know what, I'm going to take my step of faith and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a tither or I'm going to live on a budget or I'm going to spend less than I make. It's easy to say, you know, God, heal my body. It's a little bit harder to say, and now I'm going to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given me to take care of. I I hear families all the time say, man, I want to raise up my kids to know Jesus and be world changers and love Jesus, but they don't bring them to church on Sundays, and they don't take them to the edge if they're teenagers on Wednesday nights, and they never crack a Bible open at home and never pray together and then just expect somehow miraculously that they're going to grow up to serve and know and love Jesus. Let me tell you something. It's a partnership here and God says I'm going to do what only I can do only I can bring the rain but I'm expecting you to pick up a shovel and dig a ditch you can play a little more there because I'm starting to get starting to get to feel it here alright you want some water you got to dig a ditch so look what happens the, the kings their soldiers and their men they grab a shovel they start working Start digging some holes in the ground. And look what happens in 1 Kings 3 and verse 17. Elisha says, You will not see wind or rain, but this valley will be filled with water. You and your cattle and the other animals that you drink. And the Lord considers that an easy thing to do. Look, that's so great. He gives us the hard stuff and he does the easy stuff. But guess what? The easy stuff for him would be impossible for us. The Lord considers this an easy thing to do. In addition, he will make Moab at your, mer- at your mercy, and you will defeat every walled city and every important city, and you will cut down every good tree, seal all the wells, and use the rocks in, to ruin every good piece of land. This is what happened in the morning after they dug the ditches. Guess what? In the morning, 
At that time of the grain offering, water flowed from Edom and filled the countryside. I'm here to tell you that God has some greater things in store for you, but you're going to have to believe for bigger things. You're going to have to get past this whole good enough is, is good enough because good enough is not good enough if you have a God that is greater. And you're going to have to be willing to stay to the very end, to not give up even when it gets hard and even when it would be easier to give up. And you're going to have to be a people who says, even if I have to start small, how do you how do you dig a ditch? One little piece of one little shovelful of dirt at a time. It's a small thing, but you say, God, I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to trust you to do what I can't do. Only you can bring the rain, but sometimes you call me to dig a ditch, so I'm going to be willing to roll up my sleeves and get the shovel and go to work. I'm going to believe you for bigger, but I'm going to start out smaller, and I'm going to believe you're going to do greater things in my life.